Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. What's up, man? Hey, how do I sound? Do I sound better this week? You sound phenomenal. God, this voice, this radio voice. We, we're live. We're in the same room for the first time since the Rob Bro College Tailgate Show. I mean, I think we've seen each other since then. Well, I don't know. Maybe not IRL, but... IRL. But we are recording a podcast for the first time since the pandemic in the same room. Yeah, it was um, it was really close to when everything shut down because I, I think that was on a Thursday, wasn't it? And we recorded that Tuesday. I think so, yeah. Because we were getting ready for the Big 12 tournament, basketball tournament. Uh, yeah, that would have been fun. Rudy, I, I remember like it was for some reason I was, I was home. I had turned on basketball. And like I legit turned on that jazz game for whatever reason. I don't know who they're playing, but like, Hey, Rudy Gobert is going to be out because he's, he's sick. Oh, by the way, he's got COVID. Oh, by the way, the rest of the team's not going to make it either. Cause they're all, they're all trying to be healthy about it. I don't know. I just remember that night. Like, wow. Okay. Well now we're losing games. Yeah. Like having games being canceled. Anyways. Well, there are several reasons. I mean, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was like the pandemic went on. You had a baby. We yeah. had just, just life was happening and it just was remote. It still was still the way to go. And then all of a sudden you, you brought up the idea of, well, well, let's do, let's do some live. And I thought, okay, yeah, yeah there's, there's no it. reason not to let's, let's do it. You guys are in for a treat because he gets to, he gets to see my eye rolls, you know, quickly. Actually, I get to see his, I'm usually the one that makes his eyes rolls. It's, it's going to be in real time. It's not, there's not going to be any kind of delay. There's going to be weird audio cutouts. No. Or the weird audio we had last week with Michael over Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And That's cool. I had my CB radio. I had the whip antenna with the tennis ball on it. We were good. Speaking of Bluetooth, we are broadcasting live over on ColorCast via Bluetooth on this fancy new board. It's a very nice board. It's the first time I've gotten to see Spencer run it in person. <laughs> he saw me push the button. It was like, whoa. I know. It was very cool. I almost completely biffed the intro because I, I was just like, wow, that's just really neat. You just press two buttons and we're... We're recording a podcast. We're live. We're live. It's got a nice little uh, timer on the top, a red light says we're recording, tells me how much time we have left on the memory card. Man. It's fantastic. That memory card's probably been close to full before, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Anyways, ColorCast. You guys know, because we've been doing this for a while now. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform. Free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans. Michael, athletes and insiders in real time. I said me, but I meant us. Yeah. You can talk to both of us. Yeah. Perfect for watch parties, live podcast, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app, create your profile, follow us at 23 personnel. We go live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m., maybe a little bit earlier as we get used to this new schedule, but 8 30 to 9, Tuesday nights. 
come with your spiciest takes. All right. I, I've got a lot of baseball I want to talk about, Michael. I don't know about you. I, I, think that's, I think that's the best path forward. I've got some woes, some, some grievances to air. I, I have some currently. I mean, right now, now Tech may pull this out. Tech's currently losing to Abilene Christian at home. Tempting fate by making tonight dog night at the park. Bark at the park. Bark at the park when the wild cats are coming to town. Tempting fate already. Down seven to four, bottom of the fifth. And you're pushing your, your home record. Mm, yeah. Because it's been really good, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Oh, yeah. Um, because I want to, I mean, this is, it feels a little heavy handed, but I want to talk about the Sunday problem. <laughs> the Sunday problem. Sunday problem. Houston, we have a Sunday problem. Oh, we do. We'll yeah. get historical on that as well. Yeah. Um, then we'll look ahead. I mean, we'll obviously, we'll recap the, the West Virginia series. Talk about how great Saturday's two games were and then how much of a dump Sunday was. <laughs> well, let's just say the ninth inning of the Sunday game. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't so terrible until the ninth inning, and then it was well, the the bottom of the eighth was rough. That was a rough a rough go there too. Hairy. Yeah. We'll do an update on the rankings and then look ahead to Baylor this weekend. Um I do you want to to recap our uh all Tadlock team. I did. I did the the polls because I, I couldn't decide. I, I ran some polls. I got first and second team guys for you. Um, I went three deep on the DH because you can't go wrong with any of them. And then uh, we'll talk about some basketball news. There's some news this week. There was a spring game this past weekend, and finish up with what we learned. But Michael, let's uh, let's get into some baseball. I'm ready. Left field, well struck, Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field. Looking for a second home run. And he's got it. Into his own bullpen. Reps and some time because all the teams are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren. And into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven. Hangs in to right. All right, so Texas Tech comes off the series win versus West Virginia. Dig down the Mountaineers two games to one. That puts Texas Tech 29 and 14, 9 and 6 in Big 12. Good for fourth in the standings. Uh, West Virginia coming in were, were, was, I can't, I don't know where I like it. It feels weird when I, when I hear like a English, English refer to a, team as a singular object and i'm used to referring to a team as a plural object you know what i mean like they say like um i've got to go do some maths yeah or or maybe i'm doing that backwards no we refer to the team as a singular object they refer to the team as like a plural object so like like they say like um everton were oh really like 
it feels weird but like it also like when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because the team is made up of multiple individuals i guess but it's but just the way we're used to referring to a team it's as a, a singular proper entity. noun for a single thing the team not the players that do they do that about team. cities i don't know like no, london just, london were invaded by the blah 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 or maybe i don't know that never happened mountaineers were <laughs> we're second in big 12 well if you say the mountaineers yeah that makes sense yeah that makes sense west virginia were no that doesn't make sense yeah the, the mascot it does mascot it does okay go ahead Sorry. we're diverging a little bit early so friday night's game gets postponed due to weather it was a little hairy a little windy yeah I got moved uh, to Saturday. Got a doubleheader on Saturday. I think LCU played though, right? I think everybody played. My my nephews, who we went to go see tonight, uh, that they, they played on Friday. That's interesting. And they play for Abernathy. I mean, I've I have no dog in this fight or anything. I, I'd imagine that. I wonder what really played a factor in that. Was it just did Tadlock think less people also, would show up? It, like it wasn't just windy. It was like nasty, it was dirty, dusty. It was yeah. dust and dirt. Yeah. It was it was a it was a Fury Road kind of day. Yeah. So you move Friday night's game to Saturday around a little after lunch, get a doubleheader. I was watching it and probably like in the seventh inning, I was like, is Andrew Morris gonna come out for the seventh? Is he gonna come out for the eighth? Is Talat gonna put him in for the ninth? <laughs> Andrew Morris goes a complete game on Friday, all nine innings, which I say that because Brandon Burtzel also threw a complete game on Saturday, but he went eight innings because they called it for a run rule. Do you know if, oh, which well, is, yeah, I didn't consider that. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's technically a complete game, but like, I mean, he pitched all the innings possible for Texas Tech. So there's that. Sounds pretty complete to me. It's not nine innings, but, but yeah, uh, Friday night, Friday, no, not Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Andrew Morse, who was a perfect five and oh on the season through a gym it was like 105 pitches gave up um hold on i'm on the wrong game no i'm not yeah you got it i think it was yeah only was, three hits yeah there it is five runs on three hits uh that felt weird because of the um the inversion there usually have more more hits than runs uh the third inning for texas deck was filled with some uh defensive miscues ah but west Virginia scores one in the second four in the third but Andrew Morris goes, like I said, the complete game. It lasted only two and a half hours. Another really interesting tidbit of trivia, Michael, is they got a double header in in under six hours. Yeah. Well, and then that just kind of shows. Which is the, the two complete games and yes. the break between them. That backs up what you said about how good the pitching was on Saturday. Really gave you some hope and. You know, I maybe that was part of Tadlock's strategy with not going for it on Friday during the awful dust day. <laughs> so Andrew Morse, three runs, sorry, three hits, five runs, only two earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts on 104 pitches. Uh, offensively, Easton Morrell had himself a day, went three for three. Cole Stillwell, um, he's a... Uh, streaky because he, he did kind of break when we talk about that losing streak he was like two for 20 whatever and he broke it um but then came back on the first game saturday went over five jace young went over three but he had two walks west virginia all weekend super careful with jace 
uh, did not want to give him anything. Ty Coleman, two for four. Kurt Wilson and Owen Washburn both went one for four each. Hudson White, three for four. He he was on base a lot. Also had a, an RBI there. Parker Kelly, 0 for four. Sam Hunt, one for two. Andrew, sorry, Dylan Carter came in 0 for one. Then you followed that game up just a little bit later in the afternoon. Take on the same Mountaineers, but put Brandon Burtz on the mound who is now 6-2 and two on this season, and I've already said it. Complete game for him, eight innings. This game went two hours and 44 minutes. The first game went two hours and 33 minutes. So just over five and a half hours. Yeah. Game time, which you can kind of push on a, on a, on a slow day with just one game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bertzel, eight innings pitched, four hits, two runs, only one walk, nine strikeouts on 97 pitches. We do think, though, had there been a ninth inning, Bertzel would not have come out for the ninth. There were some some issues in the in the top of the eighth. That's where Virginia, West Virginia, was able to get their two runs on the day. Were the top of the eighth, um, where they let's pull it up real quick. They had a they start off with a ground out. Um, Hussey walked. Then they had a fly out to right field. Tucker reached on an error by first base. Um, and then you had, uh, Smith, I can't remember his first name. He doubled the left field scoring the two runs, but he got tagged out and trying to stretch it into a triple. Um, both of those runs were unearned. Michael, did you watch that second game? I was not able to, sorry. It, It was the third game that the, the Parker Kelly thing ended up happening on Sunday. Did you watch no, the game on Sunday? No, I, I did not watch Sunday either. <laughs> okay. I was doing yard work. No, it's fine. So, and it's ultimately, it probably doesn't end up mattering. It's, it's hard to say like an out in the eighth inning mattered when you lose by 11 runs. Oh, okay. Well, I know what you're talking about though. The slide. Yeah, the slide yes. in second. Okay. Yeah, I was listening to it actually. I was, I probably started listening to it. I was on the, on that radio right there. Because we're because we're here in my office, I was listening to it there and doing a little bit of work on the laptop. So yeah, I, I, I caught that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it it may have affected the way that the pitching was handled the following inning because of you had runners on base. The ending ended up the inning ended on this call. Um, and again, it's like it's one call, right? And it's it was bad. I'll yeah. say it. that was bad. Well, and at the time it seemed like, oh man, they're just, you know, what was it? Tech was, was tech ahead at that point? No, they were down by one, but they they're had down guys, by one It's five, four, but they would have had guys in the corners yeah. on, on first and third. Yeah. Um, it was pretty crucial. Yeah. And, and you could have tied it or Easton Morrell could have struck out in the next at bat. It doesn't, you don't know, obviously, but if you didn't see it, uh, Parker Kelly was on first base. Um, was it Dylan Carter behind him? I'm not sure. I, I could pull it up real quick. He hits into a fielder's choice. Um, so there's one out. Uh, ground ball to the short, no, to second base. Shortstop's coming over to cover second. He throws it to, sec- to the shortstop covering second, who would then relay it on to first to get the double play. What happened, though, was Parker Kelly slid into second, as you should. You need to slide. Otherwise, it's clearly obstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, or interference. I can't keep those two. I actually have a tab open on my phone because I, I can't. I can't commit it to memory 
interference versus obstruction. Obstruction sounds very technical, like like something you'd be charged with in a court of law. Oh, and it just went away. Like it's not legit. So maybe it's interference. Well, one has to do if it's against the offensive player. Oh, wait, there's two. There's a difference. And then one has to do with. Okay. Obstruction refers to a fielder who hinders a runner. So if if somebody on the field slows down a runner or trips him or whatever, that's obstruction. Like when a catcher just (laughs) basically tackles a guy coming to home plate. Or is blocking home plate without the ball or not making a play on the ball. Yeah. Um, That's obstruction. Interference is what you saw Parker Kelly get called runner, the runner interfering with the defense. There's a mandatory slide rule and it's written in a way that like the runner has to slide directly into the base. Um, he can't overslide the base and he can't, um, there's a phrase in there referring to intent, but he can't interfere obviously with the fielder making a throw. Everything we saw from the video pointed to them calling him out because he put his hand up and caught the shortstop's foot. The shortstop was jumping and was going over Parker Kelly. And the way Parker Kelly was sliding in, he put his hand up. It looked like to protect his face. Yeah. And it looked like he caught his foot with his hand. Um, it could have been like, he, he could have been called for oversliding the base, but nothing showed like there was no video to show that, which I guess would have not overturned the call. Um, because he was called out for interference and that so he would be out because he was put out and then interfered. So because he can't be retired twice, they called the batter out at first. Um, don't know if it would have changed the game because you go on to allow West Virginia to score 10 in the right. top of the ninth. Right. That's why this is still uh, at the time it was very fresh. And I remember listening to it just thinking, Oh, Okay. And, and Haxton mentioned on the broadcast that the official who who called him for interference was the one who reviewed it. So yeah, that seems so, kind of weird well, <laughs> to so review the, your own work and go, yeah, yeah, no, I had it right. I, I Continue. I think, ninth inning. Let's go. I think the way that works is the guy that calls it plus the crew chief will go in for the review. Unless the crew chief is the one that made the call then somebody else goes with them. So there's supposedly some accountability, right? It's not just one guy that goes like, hmm, yeah, sure. Looks good to me. <laughs> yeah, I totally reviewed that. Anyways, top Nailed of the ninth, uh, your pitching struggles Oof. came to light. Um, and, you know, going into this or previous, before the Kansas State series, we talked about how you were having struggles on Sunday. Um, and the way this game started off, Chase Hampton went a third of an inning. But then um, Mason Molina came in, and he went three and two-thirds innings. Uh, Hampton came in one-third of an inning, three hits, two runs, two earned, two walks. Molina comes in, unfortunately takes a loss. He's now one and five on the season, although he's been much better than a one and five record. It sounds like he's kind of just been handed crap sandwiches. Yeah, basically. He he went three and two thirds inning, three hits, one run. It's only it was earned, no walks, two strikeouts. So he he studied the ship. Trinan Parrish came in, had a struggle. I would say a little bit of a struggle in the first inning, but then he settled down and went four innings, four hits, two runs, two earned, five strikeouts. Then Shea Hardis comes in. Well, okay. So, <laughs> these last four guys. Now I am not 
the most knowledgeable Texas Tech baseball fan there is. But who are these last four guys? Have have they made very many appearances? So two of them, yes. Okay. Well, in a third kind of. Shea Hardest has has appeared. He's he's played some for Texas Tech this year. Becker, um, is returning and recovering from an arm injury. Okay. So like that's makes sense. Um, understandable. He was the transfer that came in from Vanderbilt. We're all excited about him, but he's recovering and still getting back. Yeah. Um, I was whistling. Brendan Lysick, though, I believe it was his first action of the season. Um, came in. He's a six-three freshman. Um. Yeah, that was his first and only time in a, in a game this this year. Does not record an out. Zero point zero innings pitched. Gave up two hits, three runs, all three earned in a walk. Part of that had to do with a grand slam he gave up. Yeah, that hurts. <laughs> Josh Sanders, who has played quite a bit for for you for Texas Tech this year, uh, closes it out or finishes the game. I wouldn't say close. You didn't get a close here. Josh Sanders uh, goes two-thirds of an inning, three hits, two more runs. Both of those are earned in a strikeout. You just you can't seem to get outs. Your 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 bullpen has been inconsistent throughout um, this part of the season, especially on Sundays uh, when you can't figure out a starter or opener-reliever combo. And it's it's particularly particularly depressing after you know you're you enter your third game and you've used two arms you felt i i felt so good like, <laughs> you just feel like oh, okay we we might even give some young guys a shot because hey it's fine yeah you were like this is the best possible yeah. scenario like nobody's been used you can go through everybody sure you kind of did and they kinda, I, don't, I don't know if it was what they intended to do but yes they totally did so Yes, there, there is a pitching issue, but I also want to point out for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a um, complacency issue, but even the run output, your offense w- against what should be some of your weakest pitching of the weekend, it certainly is for Texas Tech, <laughs> your offense drops in half. So I've done a uh, scoring and runs allowed breakdown for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then Friday, Saturday combined. So we can compare it to Sunday. Oh, on, and you broke them down into home and away too, because I was about to ask. Yeah, that. I mean, so yeah. they, they, there is some difference, but it's, it's not as much as you'd think. Yeah. yeah, on Fridays, total average, whatever you want to call it, you score a little over eight runs per game, and you give up four runs per game. At home, it's a little bit better. It's nine and four. On the road, it's seven and four. So essentially, you're giving up four runs on Friday. You're scoring between seven and nine runs. Saturday against what is usually the best pitching of the weekend, your offense puts up 12 runs a game and you allow just over three runs per game. You are destroying people on Saturday. You're, that run differential is 14 scored to four allowed at home. Nine runs scored and three allowed away. So you actually... You score five fewer runs, but you're giving up fewer runs too. So like the differential is still six runs. It's a yeah. 10. It's, I mean, and that's a lot. It's still you're, yeah. you're more, way more than double. Yeah. 
Friday, Saturday combined just over 10 runs a game, allowing four, 12 and four, you know, 12 runs scored to four allowed at home, eight runs scored versus three allowed on the road. But Sunday, your offense, your defense, your entire team, whatever, whatever's happening is like I said, it's not a Matt Gardner problem. It's not a pitching issue. Yes, there are pitching issues, but it's not just Gardner. It's not just the pitchers. It's not just Brendan Gurton being out. Yes, his absence is felt. But it's not his fault. And like this, We're aware. This is not a, a, a Gurton issue. Your offense scores five runs a game, and you're allowing almost eight and a half runs a game. At home, you're scoring six runs and giving up eight and a half. On the road, you're only scoring four runs, but still giving up eight and a half. Is this... Is this um? Let, let me go like first take thing. No, nothing to back this up. Just completely pulled out of thin air. Is this a like a focus issue or something? Is is it? Does this team just have the just have trouble getting going to the same level that they are apparently on Fridays and Saturdays where they really have good days, unless they're in Fort Worth, but. I, I just I don't I don't know what to address that to. I mean, it's baseball is such a weird, streaky kind of mojo type sport. Um, it, it is very mental. Maybe there's just something right? up with Sundays that's inexplicably throwing people off. So going, or maybe they know. Maybe they're like, oh man, pitching's not going to be this great today. <laughs> Which we means gotta like, hit, we got to hit it out of the park, man. We got to hit it out of the park. Strike out, strike out, strike. And maybe that's, that that has something to do with it. I don't know. Um, one of the things that that I I'm, I'm thinking of is like the only time a series has been in question on Sunday has been the opening weekend in Arlington, where you won on Friday, lost on Saturday, and you needed to win, or the outcome of the weekend was going to be determined on Sunday. Sure, yeah. Every other Sunday. It's been decided. It's already been decided. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. With very few sweeps in there. Just let one. Well, and just, I mean, just think about the Sunday games they've had that, um, you know, they got blasted by Texas at home. We got run Sunday. Yeah. Um, They got blasted by TCU. TCU. West Virginia. Yeah. Was it Kansas State too? Uh, I'm pulling up real quick. Kansas. So Kansas won five to eight. Kansas State won, or no, you won the Kansas State game on Sunday, seven to six. Okay, but they, oh. they they only scored nine runs in the weekend. You gave up six of them on Sunday. Yeah. Okay. I I know what I'm thinking of, and that's it was um, which it doesn't matter. It was the OU game, the neutral side OU game. Which, yeah, that was a struggle bus too. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> midweek. That wasn't part of the which you you've we been struggling at. in midweeks too. It's it's been wild. You you lost this past week against New Mexico, the week before Oklahoma, two weeks ago Grand Canyon. Still losing against Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian, you've you've gotten a little closer. It's five to seven now, and the sixth. Um, you have to go back to the end of March, a month ago, when you took care of a midweek, and it was Stephen F. Austin. You beat them nineteen to one and thirteen to five. California Baptist before that you were six and you, you beat them six to three New Mexico before that 28 to two, 11 to five. Anyways. So your midweek grand Canyon, which is not a bad team. They're a top 25 right. RPI team. Right. But you got swept by them. That's not a ideal. Yes. You lost to Oklahoma in a non-conference setting, but 
you're still going to have to play them in conference. Like they're, they're going to be the same team, but you're going to face better pitching on the weekend. Um, the same New Mexico team that you pounded a month ago walked you off with a three-run home run. I'm still thinking they should have just... Canceled. I know I said it last week. They should have just canceled the whole thing. Because it... Yeah, because they, they, they... Why just go down to one game? They canceled the Monday game. Yeah, just just don't do it. Just don't go to Albuquerque. It's fine. Yeah, because yeah. Albuquerque's lovely. It's a great place. I really like it. You should go when you be able, when you can stay longer. <laughs> either either go a couple days or just don't go at all. So, I I don't know what the, what the Sunday problem. Is. I don't know if it's because there's nothing. I mean, there's not as much motivation to play for a sweep as it is to play for either not getting swept or winning the series on Sunday. Well, and, and to that point, that's kind of. Tadlock's never been that guy. He's he's never struck me as the guy who's like, let's go for the jugular, let's sweep these guys. Let's. He's more the type that's going to trot out seven pitchers, you know, the day after you have a doubleheader with two guys that pitch complete games. Complete games. <laughs> so he, he's he's the kind of guy that's like, okay, well, we need, well, let's get these guys some work, and we've already got the series wrapped up, whatever. And and I wonder if that's kind of rubbing off too, or if that's just kind of part of the game plan is, you know, it, it's kind of annoying to see that in, in Fort Worth, uh, you know, when you've lost two in a row, at least show a little bit of fight and get out of there with one. But these other games or series where you have it in hand and then you kind of just, oh, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll just, uh, we'll just bloop the rest of it out and, We'll get run ruled at home against Texas, who turned out to be not that much better than you and or worse. You're tied in Big 12 uh, currently, nine and six. Yeah. After tonight, you've got 10 games left. You've got three conference series and a midweek next week in Abilene against the same Wildcats. It's in Abilene? Mm -hmm. No. Yep. We did a home and home with these jackals. Nah, I can't stand this. They're wildcats, Michael. Oh, yeah. It's, well, I hope it's cats, cat day. Or what's the opposite of a Red Raider? Meow like, at the park? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Baylor this weekend at Abilene Christian on Tuesday, and then at Oklahoma State, and then the following weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, home versus Oklahoma. So you got one conference series left. Yeah, and if you have tickets for Friday or Saturday, you should go. If you have Sunday tickets, mm. well, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, okay. Ah, so go Friday night. Go Friday night. That's your best bet. Go see Brandon Birdsell, <laughs> who's been fantastic. I, 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 well, I mean Andrew Morris too. He's the guy that came in from Colorado Mesa or whatever. Um. All right. So with that, let's let's let's. I I, I don't know how to fix it. I don't even know what the problem is. I don't even know how to address it. Me neither. I was getting existential on you, so I've I've got nothing. And I don't know. I I don't know where where this team goes. Right? Like you've got Baylor, who's not a good. Well, they don't go to Omaha, Spencer. That's where they don't go. Um, <laughs> you're depending on how you finish out. You may be playing yourself out of hosting a regional. I mean, I I still think you're good enough to play in the, in the postseason tournament. Obviously, you're not worse than a the 65th best team in the country. You're going to be a currently 43rd in RPI, but you can, 
you know, until we lose to ACU tonight, and then it's just it's going to plummet to fifty something. It's but fine. If, it's you, fine. if you're rolling out a oh ACU scored. If you're rolling an Andrew Morris and Brandon Birds, like you could you could win these two, you know, these last three series, and get absolutely housed on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Like your run differential may not you know be that great, but. You can still win these series. They're just packing up on Sunday. That's the deal. Like, okay, we got stuff to do, guys. We won the series. Let's just go. But looking at the rankings, uh, D1 Baseball has kept you at ninth. You're getting some benefit of the doubt there uh, with the bounce back uh, against West Virginia. Baseball America did bump you up from 17th to 15th. Perfect game. Kept you at 15th. The National College Baseball Writers Association dropped you a couple spots to 11th. Collegiate baseball, you've been out of the rankings now for two weeks. The Massey ratings moved you up to the 25th. RPI, you did move up only three spots, which is wild. After doing what you did to West Virginia. Yeah. Well, by winning the season and then getting house on Sunday. To 43rd, coaches poll, you dropped down to 13th from 8th. Baylor upcoming this weekend in Waco. We've documented the road woes. Your hitting has not been great on the wo- on the woad. <laughs> but you're facing a 20 and 20 Baylor squad who is four and 11 in big 12 play seventh in the big 12 Kansas, Kansas state caliber team that you handled both of those teams. Yeah. Friday and Saturday. Let's just put that on there. Currently losing at home to incarnate word, which Ouch. you know, we can't, you know, who's better ECU or incarnate word. Not a lot. Not a lot we can say right now. Baylor's currently losing seven five in the bottom of the seventh, and ACU after just scoring is up eight five in the top of the sixth. Runners on the corners, two outs. Ooh, well, if it's top of the sixth, that means that ACU still batting. Oh yeah. Okay, so hold on. You said they're playing Incarnate Word. Yes. They're not listed on this RPI page. That's fun. They're not. It's because they're they're that good. They broke the mold. Or they're that bad. <clears throat> Abilene Christian's 182nd. There you go. There you go. That's really going to help. Incarnate Word's 183rd. <laughs> <laughs> so very similar. Very similar team. competition. Okay. We're the same team, but they're they're Baylor. The worst team is faring better than we are. Ah, we got them out. Okay, bottom of the sixth. All right, still eight five. Anyways, you got a chance. Yeah, sure. This weekend. Oh, this weekend. To figure some stuff out against Baylor. That's true. Um, oh, and one of their pitchers went down. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe even, even the ace of their of their, uh, of their their rotation, too. Like, the way that Kendall Rogers wrote that tweet, it sounded like he was a major part of the rotation, and he's out for the season. Tommy John. Tommy John. Which I believe that's what Becker's coming back from. Oh, I see. I see. From the guy from Vandy? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see him... Maybe he'll get to get some work in this weekend, get a little bit more rust off. I'm not being, I'm, <laughs> I'm not being yeah, a jerk. We'll see him on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe All he'll right. start on Sunday. I don't know. All right. Looking at the, uh, the matchups here, uh, the Texas tech offense is batting still batting, which is wild. Uh, 301 on the season. They, they got back up above 300 after this weekend. Baylor's 267. Slugging percentage is a huge 120 point difference in favor of Texas Tech, 512 to 392. On base percentage, Texas Tech holds a nearly 50 point advantage there, 414 to 367. Texas Tech has mashed 
35 more home runs than has Baylor, scored 150 more runs on the season, struck out 50 more times than Baylor, though. Um, still, Texas Tech is still, probably because they're not hitting a lot of singles, still sitting at 26 of 28 on stolen base attempts. Baylor is a paltry 45 of 57. They have the Ooh, worst. That's a bad success rate. <laughs> success rate. But they've attempted more than twice as many stolen bases as you have. Did West Virginia really, did they get any stolen bases on tech this weekend? Not I didn't know of a quick way to look that up, but I, I don't remember that being a big factor. It wasn't because that, I remember that being a big part of their game. They would get somebody on yeah, and they would like small ball you to death and they just didn't have that opportunity because Morris and Birdsell did so well. Um, defensively, Texas Tech is allowing, you know, their pitching staff is allowing batters to hit 251 against them, where Baylor pitchers are allowing 277. ERAs are pretty similar, uh, about a half run difference. 506 for Texas Tech, 559 for Baylor. Uh, Baylor's walked 24 more batters, given up five more home runs, um, has given up 13 more runs on the season. The strikeout numbers, huge difference. Texas Tech has struck out 422 batters. Baylor struck out 270. 150 difference. Yikes. And they just lost their ace. And they lost their ace. Filling percentage is about the same, but Baylor is last in the conference. 975 to 971. I'm not giving a uh, the rotation to look for. I'm not looking, giving you players to, to to watch out for. You just need to win these games, please. <laughs> At the very least, the series. The, the, but they really need a sweep here, right? You you looking ahead with how good Oklahoma State is, yes, and then how not bad Oklahoma has been. If you if you have any thoughts about even hosting some postseason play, whether it's a regional. Um, you've got to make some, some some headway here in the last couple of weeks. Yes. I mean, and, and this is the perfect time to hammer a 4-11 conference team. Yeah. You, you know, this isn't this isn't the time to go down there and, and have them, you know, to be their Super Bowl, to borrow a term, that I'm just going to say so much that it means nothing. And that <laughs> is the goal. But it's it's not... It's not going to look good to come home and lose this series. No, absolutely. It's not even going to look great if you if you win the series. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because it's one of those history like, has shown you might you might just knock them out of the park, and you might win combined fifteen to five the first two games. In the last game, you might lose fifteen to five. Yeah. the The beautiful thing about RPI is it doesn't it doesn't uh, reward you for beating teams you should. It hammers you for losing teams you should beat, though. <laughs> well, and I think that's why it... That's why it matters to win these games yes. against Grand Canyon and Abilene Christian and well, right. New Mexico. And, right, and I think that's why, you know, you pointed out we went only from 48 to 43rd after hand, uh, handling West Virginia, but it's because, because we lost in New that Mexico. New Mexico is still lingering. Yeah. And TCU is a good team. It, you know, it turns out that they're... I don't know if anybody really had them on their radar. I mean, I don't know if people really expected them to be top of the Big 12 at this point in the year at 12 and 6. You know, I mean, commanding lead because they're a series ahead of uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's only 10 and 5. So 
They are 26th in the RPI right now. Yeah. TCU. I mean, they, they are, they turn out to be a good team and I, I, yeah, we don't want to pat ourselves on the back for, well, it was a good team. Well, you shouldn't <laughs> got swept by them. Um, sure. But it does, <laughs> it's a little bit more, you know, it, it's, it's not as tough to swallow if you go to Waco and, and come home losing the series. Yeah. Let's not do that. And my goodness, Tennessee has been so good this year. 37-3. Texas, or really quickly, DBU, Dallas Baptist, fourth in RPI. Texas at 10th. Um, TCU at 26. So they're second in the Big 12 in terms of RPI. Oklahoma State, 28th. Oklahoma, 30th. Really? Oklahoma State's only 28th? Mm-hmm. I, th- I figured they'd be a little higher. It may be because of their schedule. Yeah. Grand Canyon, 31st. So they're right behind Oklahoma. Yeah. uh-huh. Uh, Texas Tech 43rd. Oof. Texas State, who beat Texas earlier. That's right. 47th. All right. Um, so this, this this rolls back to a question I posed uh, to our man, Rob Bro. Uh, when he was asking, as part of the radio show in the Raiderland, favorite all-time Tim Tadlock era player. I was like, why don't you just make a Tim Tadlock team? Because I, I figured you can't settle on just one guy, right? And he's like, why don't you do it? I was like, well, no. <laughs> so you put on your cape and you said, I will do this. I caped up. So what I did is I did some blind polls on the Twitter. Uh, I took guys that I knew were good at each position. Um, and I put them head to head to make a first and second team. All Tadlock era. I granted, I still don't know how to handle the pitchers. I don't know how to how to like oh okay just yeah take like a rank order because you can only do four uh, four poll options at a time. But with that though, I've got maybe you could maybe you could do like a bracket. I'm I'm just thinking of more work for you. You could do I don't want to do you bracket. could narrow it down to eight pitchers and then have a bracket and then take the top the top four of those. My list of my list of Tadlock era pitchers. Does include starters, relievers, and closers. I've got a good mix of three, but there's two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, <laughs> 18, 20, 25. 25 that you liked that you're like, oh, well, I've got to include well, these. Like, well, like, okay. he's, got to, he's got to be in. Well, like, okay, like Trey, Trey Masick, Johnny Drozd, Dominic Marino, Cameron Smith, Ty Dameron, Dylan Dushek, Chris Sadbury, Parker Mashinsky, Erickson Lanning, Ty Harpino. Davis Martin, Ryan Shetter, Robert Duggar, Hayden Howard, Stephen Gingry, John McMillan, Caleb Killian, Mason Montgomery, Micah Dallas, yeah. Bryce Bonin, Hunter Dobbins, Patrick Monteverdi, Brandon Birdsell. Maybe I should add Andrew Morris to this list too. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you might ought to. <laughs> like, okay. What do you do with that list? Because uh, on, on the other side, on, on the fielders, it's very easy. Like, okay, so I, I grabbed two first basemen, right? And I may be missing somebody. But I went with Eric Gutierrez and Cam Warren. Okay. Second baseman, I had four guys. Michael Davis, Brian Klein, Gabe Holt, Jace Young. Third base, I only had two guys. And this is really because I don't know anybody else who could play third. My memory for third base has been bad. Hunter Hargrove and Josh Young. Makes sense. Because, I mean, Hargrove is really bad. Like his best year, he was playing third. He also played first. He played first between uh, Gutierrez and, and Warren. Shortstop, going back to the the time machine, Tim Proudfoot, about the oldest guy on this list. I don't know who who else knows that. Oh, who all knows that name? 
Orlando Garcia, Cal Conley. Catcher, I struggled finding good catchers. I felt like recency bias because in my head, I just thought, well, it's got to be Fulford, right? But I thought, well, but then I, I, I looked at the I numbers. Can't say was, that because it was, he's the guy that I remember from last season. You know, that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's the right choice. So if I'm missing a good Tadlock era position player, let me know. Cause I, I, I went back and was looking at the rosters. I looked at guys listed as catchers, like they didn't play mm-hmm. or they didn't stand out. Like the guys I remember Hunter Redmond, Tyler Floyd, Braxton Fulford. They weren't good offensive pitchers and they weren't really good defensive. They weren't good offensive catchers or defensive players. And then um, DH, there was one guy that I know played extensively or exclusively at DH for Tadlock. And again, recency bias, Zach Reams. But on on the DH vote, I also took some of the best that didn't win first and their other positions. So Eric Gutierrez, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, left field, Tyler Nesloni, Grant Little, Drew Baker. Center field, Dylan Noisy, Cody Farhat, Devin Conley. Right field, Stephen Smith, Tanner Otremba, Zach Davis. That center field and right field votes were 100 to 0 to 0. Wow. They were unanimous for those winners. All right. So picking a second team for those, I just had to go with my gut, who I wanted there. All right. First team. All-time Tadlock, first base Cam Warren. And it was not even close. It was like, really? wow. The votes were not close. And just a reminder, you did, I know you said this already, but you did blind stats. Yeah, so for, for the position for players, I, I gave their slash line, so their, their, their batting average, their on-base percentage, their slugging percentage, the number of home runs, and their fielding percentage. How good were they defensively? Obviously, there are some positions that matters more than others. So for Cam Warren, it was a, you know, his slash line, uh, 28 home runs and a, whatever his fielding percentage, it, it, it's on the poll. I don't have it on the list. I had to go at it separately. He won 72% to 28. Overwhelming. To the Eric Gutierrez. Um, it's not like, and everyone loves Goot. Yeah. But Cam Warren, everyone loves Cam Warren too. Yeah. Well, that just goes to show like. The big fella. The big fella. <clears throat> just how like good he was. And solid uh, second base wasn't even close. Jace Young, yeah, like it was what what uh, ninety one, yeah ninety one percent. Brian Klein was the only other player that got votes at nine percent. It was like a guy like Michael Davis who was really good in his career at Texas Tech didn't even receive votes. Gabe Holt, right? I. I was wondering how he didn't make this list very much. Now you've got him well, kind of down here as an asterisk, but yeah, and, that and was kind of late in his career because he played second base and then he got moved to right field. So yeah. I, I've, I'll explain that. In yeah, a yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ahead of you here. Um, shortstop, no, third base, Josh Young. So you got the Young brothers on second and third. Uh, and pretty he, good combo. He took a 91 to nine. No, that was second base. It was a pretty hefty favorite over Hunter Hartgrove, 93 to seven. <laughs> again because hargrove didn't have like like he was a good player he didn't have the power numbers that that josh did um shortstop cal conley again I, it feels like a recency bias but then we look at his numbers in 74 career games he batted 339 was on base 405 and had a slugging percentage of 600 hit 18 home runs 954 fielding percentage I will admit this all-time Tadlock team may not be very good defensively. <laughs> Their fielding percentages aren't great. 
but offensively they would they'd be destroying folks oh yeah uh catcher was a very easy braxton fulford i and i said that as much last last week uh, especially if you look at his third year his, his career stats are brought down because of his first two years but in three years and 169 games fulford batted 264 379 441 and 19 home runs um yeah let's go to the outfield left field grant little 118 games. He batted 354, 437, 566. Only 14 home runs, but that dude was getting on base and he was getting a double just about every time he was up there. Um, center fielder Dylan Noisy, that w- w- was pretty easy. In 109 games, he batted 305, 421, 477. Only 10 home runs, but again, like little, he was getting on and getting around very easily. Right fielder, the other position that went unanimous. Steven Smith uh, over who were those guys I put out there in right field. It was uh, Otrimba and Conley, I believe. Was Steven Smith on, was that a very, one of the earliest or earlier Tadlock teams? It was like 2014 to 2016. Okay, so like yes. a couple years in. Yeah. Um, but it was also like as a Lubbock favorite, you know. So oh, yeah. He played in the Western Little League All-Stars that went to the World Series and played at Friendship. Um. Anyway, without his name being attached to it, was you know voted on as the best right fielder. Um, Owen Washburn may give, be giving him a run for his money. Yeah, that's no kidding. <laughs> um, and then for DH, um, I thought the numbers spoke for themselves. I would have put Zach Reams there because, um, yeah, what'd you have there? Because uh, you were talking about so, this earlier today. In DH, I went with Eric Gutierrez, Hargrove, Zach Reams, and Tyler Nesloni. Because Nesloni was listed as a left fielder, but wasn't selected. So I put him in the DH running because he batted, like his line was ridiculous. 317, 402, 535 with 20 home runs. Um, and he lost out to Grant Little out and left, who batted 354, 437, 566, and 14 home runs. So like Nesloni... Um, had better no he didn't have better average like grant little did everything better except for hit more home runs chicks dig the long ball man yeah but so i i, I put nesloni in the running for dh gutierrez ran away with this one i thought it was gonna be reams because eric gutierrez had 188 games mm-hmm. in his career uh and the numbers that reams had he did it in only 71 i wanted to give some context so i included their their career games so when i say this player when I say Zach Reams hit 19 home runs, I'm saying he did that in 20, or in 71 games, yeah. whereas Eric Gutierrez hit 29 home runs in 188 games. It's like a three-to-one pace there. But Gutierrez won the DH. Not upset with that. So you're, you're fielding in DH all Tadlock first team. Cam Warren at first, Jace Young at second, Josh Young at third, Cal Conley at short, Braxton Fulford behind the dish, Grant Little in left, Dylan Noisy in center, Stephen Smith out in right, Eric Gutierrez as your DH. Second team, real quick. Yeah. I'm going to run through this real quick. You got it. Eric Gutierrez at first, Brian Klein at second, Hunter Hargrove at third, Orlando Garcia at short, Tyler Floyd at catcher, Tyler Nesloni out in left, Cody Farhat in center, and here's where I made a little uh, executive measure here. I put Gabe Holt in right. He was figuring it out. He's he so was. fast. 
but also in terms of like, make up for a lot of things being as fast as he was that and that was a hard thing to, like how do you capture speed and just being able to get on base i mean besides on base percentage but because there was that was the only position with four guys in it was second base i was like up against tanner otrampa who's currently still playing but for an, another team and zach davis um you have to go in the wayback machine to remember him Gabe Holt in 125 games batted 333, which is better than any of the guys in right field. 425, so it's better on base percentage. Uh, didn't have as good slugging percentage because he was more like a middle infielder than a right fielder, but um, still hit nine home runs. Um, so I put him as second team right field, and also because he played right field. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't, and because selfishly, you just kind of want to. If there's a way to work Gabe Holt into your into your lineup, you, you just should. Oh yeah, for you sure. should just do it. Okay. And then for DH, I had Zach Reams and Tyler Nesloni because you can't go wrong with either one of those guys. Oh no, no, I agree. I um, if you're ready, I've got one thing to, to talk about real quick before we go off to our odds and ends section. Yeah. It, as soon as we can figure out how to do the, the pitching, we'll, we'll come back to that and have like a pitching staff all tadlock. But Oh, as, that's a good point. As you mentioned, as I said earlier, just all those guys that we have, it's like, well, like, you're right. How, how do you like, how do you come up with a, a pitching staff that has like 18 starters on here with guys like Bryce Bond and Mason Montgomery, Stephen Gingery? What if you do it by day? What if you come up with a realistic, like, okay, Here's your Friday starters. Your Friday starter, your Friday reliever, your Friday closer, or something like that. I mean, I mean, I, I, th- there's no way. F- that's a that's a monster list you have there. We, we, okay, we so got to like, narrow it down. So, like for, for Saturday, that means you, like your starters are going to be um, Gingery versus Killian, Montgomery, Bonin, Monteverdi, Birdsell. <sighs> okay, what if you reuse guys? <laughs> Like or you say, this is put all, all, all of them, just this group out in the bullpen. Like you, you, you'll find some guys that will, will find a role. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cause like place for you to stand. Some of these guys, like it's hard to leave them off of, of consideration cause they are pitching in the league right now. Like Mashinsky <laughs> right. made his MLB debut. What? Just a week or two ago. Yeah. Killian is very near. Like he's been killing it and no pun intended. Um, so like maybe you can cut guys like Mason Montgomery, but like when you think about his tech career, he was fantastic on the mound. Micah Dallas, okay, he's playing for A and M right now. He was really good for you. Uh, Bryce Bonin, Patrick Monteverdi, like just held that Saturday starter position the entire time he was here, the whole year. Davis Martin, that that Davis Martin uh, Stephen Gingry duo is like Andrew Morris and Brandon Birdsell this year. Like that Friday, Saturday, one, two punch. Like you couldn't, you couldn't ask for anything better. It's going to be impossible. So I don't know how you're going to do it. Anyways, I'll just put this, the whole list together. Like hey, here's your pitching stuff. <laughs> you just, just find a role for him. How many, well, how many pitchers are on a roster traditionally? Uh, oh, you, that would still cut you. You'd, that'd still force you to narrow it down some way more than well, you probably like, want. I mean, okay. So you can probably, probably got 10 pitchers on staff, right? Or on staff. Like you, you could probably cut like a Johnny Droz. Like he was a good reliever or like a Cameron Smith. Like he was a very, he, he was a crafty left-hander, but he wouldn't like top into your rotation guy. Um, Erickson Lanning figured stuff out, stick figured stuff out. Ty Harpino, 
you can't leave off Dushek and Shetter with no. how, what, what they did. Duggar was a, was a reliever, but he's he's pitching in the league right now. Um, Hayden Howard was was a, a really key piece your bullpen in that 2016 Omaha run. Uh, like he was on the mound when you got that out to Jonathan India, like that Nestloni throw to second base at Michael Davis. Out at second. Yeah. yeah. That was Hayden Howard on the mound. Nestloni picked it up in third or in left and threw it to Michael Davis at second. McMillan. I mean, he was, he was, I have know. a soft spot for him. I do too. Big John. Yeah. The song. I, All I, of it. Throwing, throwing absolute gas. Warming up from like off the pitcher's mound between <laughs> pitcher's mound and second base. Yeah. What a ballsy move. Anyways, so that that's my uh, all-time Tim Tadlock era team. If you could figure out how to put them all in the field at the same time at, with their career numbers, you can win some games. Well, well, Spencer's got a lot to figure out there. Yeah. And if, if, if y'all didn't know already, you could be listening to us live right now as we try to decipher this and try to figure out how to bring this great staff of pitchers staff. I keep saying staff uh, into a, a, a number on a roster, you know, where do you start? But here we are. We're live on color cast. It is a live audio only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, which Spencer and I just love debating. That's all we do. It's perfect for that. Post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow us at 23Personnel, and you'll be notified when we go live. We plan on going live every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central, and we will record our podcast during that time. So anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour and 45 minutes, uh, you know, just carve, carve out a little bit of time, 9 p.m. on Tuesdays, and show up with those spicy takes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's jump to the odds and ends. I don't have a, I don't have a, 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 should we come up with an odds and ends? A bumper odds and ends. I mean, I don't know. Like pushing all now, the buttons. What are we <laughs> okay, so you can play multiple at the same time. Learn that just the soundboard is so cool. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you should do. That is kind of just like, just like mash all like you get football, basketball, baseball now questions. And these are the questions. Yeah. Answer. Yeah. All right. So basketball, Kevin O'Banner coming back, coming back, baby. Love it, man. It's great. I sources himself sources himself. Yes. Um, I love that. So, cause that, you know, that was a troll from the guy that was running the basketball Twitter account. Oh Yeah. Of all the eyeball emoji stuff that we were complaining about leading up to it for five days or six. (laughs) And he, he, I I say he, she, I'm, I'm, I'm almost as surely it's a, it's a woman. Oh, who, who does the tweets for the basketball program? Cause I believe, I I don't know. I don't want to get into trouble, but I believe the social team is made up of a lot of females. Sure. Women. I'll see females. You're just digging a hole. <laughs> just need to go back and like figure out how to cut. As we're yeah. Can this fancy board, can this fancy board? Delete? I can just start hitting <laughs> mute, walking and okay. It's fine. That's done. We just cussed a lot and that's what he did. He just muted all our cussing. I need, I need like a, like a beep. Yeah. But anyways, um, but yeah, the, the person that runs that account took a shot at all those eyeball emoji, emoji tweeters and said sources, the man himself. I got into I got into it with one of them. 
because I, I tweeted on Friday. I was just so annoyed. He I responded I, for I, whatever reason. I don't even know why he responded to you. I kept holding off. You know, I didn't want to make the same observation everyone else was making. But finally on Friday, I just couldn't have. And I just tweeted out. And I'm not going to put this guy's handle on blast or anything because I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, but I tweeted out, you know, hey, you know, where's all this good news people have been promising for five days? And uh, I don't know how he even saw it, but it was one of those insider accounts. And he said, oh, it's coming. It's happening today. And I said, what is it? <laughs> what is can, happening? Can you narrow down what it is? And then all he would say in his reply was, was just just that it is. You you want to bet on it? Just believe me. <laughs> and he was like, you want to bet on it? And I was like, no. What? <laughs> Why would I tell you it's happening today if, if I didn't know something? And I'm like, I, I, I still don't know what you're talking about. And he wouldn't even tell you like a category, like, yeah, is it a, is no, it a transfer? I was legit. It, yeah. I mean, commit? I was, I was open. I was embracing debate. I was Coaching open to staff? it. Like, Hey, you know, well, what, what's happening? Are we getting a new commit? Is it a new transfer? You know, what is it? Uh, just narrow it down. And then, yeah, I probably would have taken him up on it. I would have probably bet a hundred dollars to his favorite charity or whatever, if he would have at least narrowed it down and he didn't. And then I said, oh, he said something like, well, I don't care if you believe me or not, just know that's happening today. And I said, all you're going to do is point to point to when someone else breaks it and say, see, that's what I was talking about. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Like four minutes after that tweet, he, he's, he got back in my mentions and said, what did I tell you? And I was like, nothing. Nothing. It's like, you didn't tell me anything, man. You just, he said, why are you, why are you being a dick? (laughs) He called me that twice. And then he, he said, I don't care if you believe me or not. You know, I don't, I don't have anything to prove. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Good, because I don't believe you. And then uh, <laughs> he followed me later and said, I want to um, DM you since you don't believe me. And so I said, okay. So I followed him back and he DM'd me the next day and he gave me two scoops. And he told me that I can't tell anybody and I am going to... Th- I am You're not going, going to. Him? No, no, I, I am keeping my word. I'm keeping my word. And if it, if neither of these things comes true, then you guys will all hear about it. <laughs> so when it doesn't, or whether it does or doesn't, you're going to tell the list now. This oh, is what yeah. the guy said, but yeah, yeah. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. Cause he told me two pieces of scoop. I haven't told you. I haven't told Mm-mm. anyone. And, and so I won't badger you for it either. I'll no, no, no. Let's just, um, let Hey, I'm going to let this guy, I'm going to give him a chance to redeem himself. And if he's right, I'll let you know, you know, if he's right, I'll, I'll, I'll even tweet it or whatever. Like, Hey, follow this guy. He had some inside Screen- info back in late April. Screenshot of your, of your inbox. Like, yeah, I will. <laughs> our friends at the gambling gouches do. I will totally do that. But until then, uh, be wary of all eyeball emojis on the Twitter. They're still coming out. And, and what's interesting is like there was, there was other two pieces of news that I feel were very, I wouldn't say surprised. Well, one is more surprising than the other. One I expected to happen like a month and a half ago. And at this point I was like, well, okay, he's just coming back. But associate head coach Barrett Peary is leaving to take a similar position with UNLV. When he was hired on, we all expected there to be, some kind of like offensive coordinator type of role. Yeah. Because yeah. of, of what his, his teams had done. Um, and really, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to speculate as like if uh, Adam said, we got, we got to play some complimentary basketball here and that's not going to fly with the defense or, 
whatever. But you didn't get that. And there were some really bad offensive nights. When you hire a guy and tout him as all this big offense and you don't get it. I I expected this ha- this to this to happen a long time ago. And when it didn't, I was like, well, okay, well, he's just gonna I mean, it's fine, we're just gonna keep him. And then he's he's gone. Well the the other thing about Peary that I was thinking he would bring with him was on the defensive side too, it was a full court press. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that wasn't why Adams hired him in the first place, but you're right. There were several things that I felt like Peary could bring to the table that either didn't materialize or he wasn't allowed to bring to the table or they, you know, the roster didn't allow him to do whatever it was. I don't feel like everyone got what they thought they were going to get. But the thing that kind of, I think it's, it's leaning towards your point is he may have been, encouraged to go because he went for a similar position at a, I don't want to say lesser school because that's not a, a way to say thing. I mean, UNLV obviously has some history. Yeah. They, they, they had a, a great program. They've had great success off and on, but tech is having better success right now. Yeah. And so that, that's the only reason I say well, that maybe, a, but anyway, it's, he's still an assistant coach, but a different school. I thought if he left here, by his own free will, he would be going back to some form of head coaching position. So that kind of surprised me too. And and maybe it does go back to the other point you made earlier on that. It, like maybe he wasn't allowed to do some of those things. And so he was like, well, maybe I want to go somewhere where I can do it. Right. So there could be, there could have been some philosophical differences there that, that they did not anticipate until they got on the same team, same team and spending like 18 hours a day together and kind of go, okay, I actually can't say this may not work. (laughs) This may not work guys. So, I mean, really like as much as I kind of said, we didn't like the offensive, like there were nights that were bad offensively. Um, but that wasn't solely a period thing. I I don't, I don't know exactly how, how the team responsibilities break down. I did hear that they had like a rotation of some guys that wouldn't like, of who would scout the next opponent. So they would kind of work to put the game plan together. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't know the rotation. I didn't, I didn't keep track of that close enough to say like, Oh, all of the Peary games we had this happen or all of the, I, I can't remember who else was, was responsible in that, you know, in that rotation. But so I don't know. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Barrett Peary just became the biggest UNLV fan you've ever seen probably on Twitter. And I'm not saying this as a knock or anything because I genuinely enjoyed how much he seemed to genuinely enjoy Lubbock and the people here. And like he, he did more goodwill for Lubbock in his year here than Matt Wells ever did. (laughs) He was, he was at everything. He was retweeting all sorts of stuff about restaurants and different places. And, and just, I mean, pumped and jazzed to be wherever he could be, uh, you know, supporting the football team, supporting baseball team, wherever he was, yeah. wherever he could fit in, he was there. So, you know, UNLV, you've got that, uh, that type of guy coming towards you. And, you know, that's, that's really invaluable too. And we will miss that. I will yeah. for sure. The other news that we heard that was a little bit surprising is yeah. Marcus Santos Silva moving on from the hardwood to the gridiron. Ah, take his uh his talents to pursue pers- professional football as a tight end. And we've seen Baylor players of similar size and skill 
yeah plural do this yeah a couple of them the uh, mark vital was one of them yeah and then he was on the championship team and then uh, who was the other one that was did it a couple of years prior i don't know rob had a great article about that on kkam.com i'll see if i can pull it up anyways he's gonna um, pursue playing professional football as a tight end yeah i it, it's one of those kind of what if things that i, I joked about it in the slack chat it's like he might have read one too many. What if LeBron just decided to play in the NFL during the lockout articles from a few years ago? But I, I, I'm genuinely excited about this prospect because I think about this a lot. I think about, you know, these 6'8", 250, 260 guys that are super athletic, have great hands. And then you wonder, well, what if you just put some pads on him? You like because I think we've joked about maybe not us specifically, but I think um, I mean just I think we've made the point, and I can't remember if we were like picking on a tight end or or what, but um, I think we kind of made the point like, well, maybe we should get so and so from the basketball team to try out at the Jones and see if they can catch some passes or something. But like in terms of size, do you really like? Do you realize if you put like Kevin McCuller in pads, he'd be one of the biggest receivers we have? Yeah, he'd be massive. <laughs> like, and, and, and we, we talk about guys like JJ Sparkman and Eric Azakanma and Jaron Bradley and those guys that are, you know, 6'3, 6'4, 6'5 guys. And you're like, let's put TJ Shannon out there at 6'6 <laughs> as a receiver, like 6'6, 210. Like, you could they jump would be, out of the building. <laughs> it'd be massive. I don't, they're, they're probably going to have the same speed. I don't think. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe they do. I don't. But still, like, because of the of just the, the way the game is played, like, you get really, you know. Yeah, he's, he's Santos Silva's listed at 6'7", 250. That's a pretty good size tight end, man. And uh, oh, what's the, the, the other guy? Antonio Gates. Let's see. What's he, what was he listed at? He's 6'4". 6'4", 260. I thought he was massive. I always thought he was huge. Silva's got him by three inches. Um, Rico Gathers was the Baylor player. Oh, Rico Gathers. That's it. Okay. Who was 6'8", by the way. The the other tight end. Oh, Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez. Because I know Jason Witten's not, he wasn't ever very tall. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez. Um, he was 6'5". I mean... I just love this experiment. I, I am so rooting for Marcus Santos Silva. I'm, I'm really, really thrilled for him. And I hope that it works out. I hope that I kind of wish he would have been able to declare sooner because I'm afraid this is really going to get him behind the eight ball with the draft just like days away, I think. Well, you also saw it like, so when Mark Vidal did last year, like they, he was on the championship team last year. Yeah. He's 6'5", 250. He actually retweeted that. He's the, on the Chiefs now, right? Uh, the Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks. Well, I don't know. They signed him in September. So maybe he's with the, the, the Seahawks now. Hang on a second. I'm trying, I'm still trying to pull up Rob's article. I got, I sidetracked my sidetracked myself like three times, but so he vital wasn't selected in the NBA draft, did play for the, the Portland Blazers summer league team before announcing this week. So this is September 2nd of 2021 that he was going to pursue a career in the NFL and then was picked up to the Seahawks practice squad. Hmm. So not bad. And you know, Santos Silva, he 
th- yes, there were a couple of games he kind of disappeared in this year. I mean, quite maybe three. Uh, there, there weren't very many, but gosh, he, he just brings an intensi- an intensity and um, a physicality and the the way that he breaks down. I just I just picture him doing those. Um, you know, the way that he breaks down and defends somebody at the top of the key and. I just I just picture those all those football drills that you see where they're you know they're breaking down they've got their their feet moving really fast whatever the hell Michael's that's really excited about this by the way. I am, man it is it's like it's like one of those great no 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 if if uh, you know if so and so played tight end he would have been better than so and so like yeah whatever you don't know it's like well maybe yeah. we're gonna find out so excited to see how that works out for him I mean I would assume like with the president being set with gathers playing for the Cowboys and. Uh, vital playing for the Chiefs and or the Seahawks that he's going to get a chance. Yeah, I hope so, man. Okay. Football, spring game. Well, hold on. But we're going to football. Mark Adams was extended to the 26-27 season. Yeah. Got himself a little contract extension already. Good Hot take, him. man. It's too soon. This is too soon. This isn't Kingsbury. It's Kingsbury all over again, man. It's just, I mean, we're just, what are we going to do? Did we ever, are we ever going to learn? Are we ever going to learn? Just extend a guy? Matt Wells, uh, let's go again. Well, we we've seen that a uh, fart. Mark Adams can recruit, and oh, it's true. Kingsbury decided <laughs> either didn't want to or couldn't. Or well, where where were you stand on that? I did like something that uh, the Gauchos retweeted today, and it was Kyle basically because he really gets fired up about this issue, and I think Rob does too. But Kyle especially seems to take it personally about you can't rec- recruit to Lubbock, the myth, yeah, about not being able to recruit to Lubbock, and Kyle. <laughs> Finally worded it in a way I'd never heard anyone say. He said, no, 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 you, you shouldn't be saying you can't recruit to Lubbock. You should be I saying can't. I can't recruit to Lubbock. Yeah, that was in the, in the latest episode. They were like, they, uh, they, they shared that clip from their, the recording as, as a video of them talking about it. But yeah, yeah, he, he was getting yeah. fired up about it. Like, no, no, that, that's gotta go. Like that's our future if, mayor. If, if you decide. It's our future mayor right there. I'm going to vote for Kyle one day. I'm going to write him in. I haven't voted yet. Can I write him in? I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get political. We'll get back That's to sports. Fun. Football. <laughs> but yeah, we're glad to have Mark Adams continue on. Yeah, for sure. He'll be um, 67, 68. 67 years young. He's, He's good. He's got it. He's cool, calm, and collected on the sidelines, man. Yeah, he is. Not losing his mind. Um, What'd you say? Not losing his mind. Oh, okay. I thought you said more something ways like doesn't live in his mind. Or... No, no, no. Football. Spring game takeaways. There's a spring game this weekend, Mike. I didn't go. I, I We were running late from the... The baseball game, you had a soccer yeah, game. Queen Bees were playing soccer. So we watched uh, we watched the game on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I'm actually kind of glad I, I didn't try to get, because I was leaving the complex. It was 10 after 12. I was like, oh, it's going to be a hike to get up there because we were at 130th Milwaukee. And we're gonna get, get, oh, get that's where y'all are. Okay, okay, uh, yeah. It would have taken 20 plus minutes just to get there, another 10, 15 minutes to park and get park. in. And you're fighting the baseball crowd too. And then it only went an hour. So I would have missed, I would have only seen like the second half. Yeah. So I'm, anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Um, in terms of the QBs, cause I think that that's something everybody's paying attention to. Like, I think from what I, I, I can tell, it really depends on what you wanted to see because I, I, so many people left saying Shuck's the guy. So many people left saying Morton's the guy. If you want to see somebody roll out of the pocket every snap, Morton's the guy. Well, and and whether Shuck they need was to doing, or not, Shuck was doing it too. And then, like you know, John Harrison, like this is kind of a, a you know Zach Kitley 
principle to his offense. Like, like he likes to move the pocket. I, don't I remember Zappy being that mobile, was he? I don't think he was very mobile. Yeah, maybe just physically wasn't. Not a knock. He was. <laughs> it wasn't. His, <laughs> he it wasn't his absolutely game. torched us. Yeah, uh, he was a really good quarterback. Um, see, I, I, I mm. think, I think you saw what you wanted to see in terms of like when you, when you talk about the the quarterback comparison because Shuck threw more passes than the other two guys did combined. Um, in terms of number of snaps, fairly equal. They just the other two ran a whole lot more. Yeah, which was kind of telling. In I think the. Harrison level brought that up on the broadcast once of, you know, how, how fair is it to have your quarterbacks running the ball in a <laughs> well, scrimmage no. where they, they're not allowed to get tackled. I, I so that there was that, but I, I also think there's general run plays. It wasn't just a quarterback. Run oh, play. I get you. I get you. Yeah. But there were some like the sneak at the, not the sneak, but the, yeah, the, the, the Morton t- touchdown. Yeah. Where he I called it the goal line. I don't know if he would have made that in. Um, and there was a play that like, Tyreek Matthews came on a blitz. Like oh, oh, he would have complete blindside body. Yeah, that was like very. That was very reminiscent of the uh, Bowman getting hit. You know, against West Virginia that yeah. collapsed his lung just out of nowhere. Uh, so I, I have yeah. a question. I, I have a question. Um, they 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 brought this up. Uh, the starting center, at least for the spring game, as a walk on. They, they were talking about like, well, look how far he's come. I was like. You're playing a walk-on who just got to campus with your first-team offense. That doesn't say, like, look how far he's coming. He's like, where are the rest of your guys? Now, I, I heard they were playing without some other guy. Like, Cade Briggs, who I think is your expected center, wasn't playing. So that probably had a lot to do with it. I, 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 I will give you that. But also, like, you've got guys on campus that have played center before, have been here longer than a couple of weeks. Well, we couldn't beat this guy out. And it's not like we didn't know this position was about to be open. Yeah. We've known this for a, yeah, you could see it coming for years and like, okay, yeah, we, we've got to figure this out. Yeah. That's a little bit concerning. Uh, you know, one thing that I noticed too, that, well, Seth put it into words better than I did at Stake in the Plains. If you want to go there and check out Seth's write up, cause he actually came with one of his boys and got to see the spring game, got to go to, most of the second baseball game experienced beautiful Lubbock. Um, so anyway, it was good. To, I'm glad Seth was here and I hated that we didn't get to see him, but he, he mentioned something along the lines of he didn't notice a huge drop off between first and second team as far as skill and physical ability and blocking and, you know, whatever they were asked to do, they were able to do it, which is a good sign, mm-hmm. which I would, I would take that as a positive sign as well. But uh, I don't know how positive I'm going to spend having a walk-on center right now after it's having first-team offense. Too. Yeah, um, you know, and they're saying, "Look how far he's come." Like compared to what? What do they have? To, they can't compare it. Well, as, as in to like how he played last year. As in, like he he's just gotten on campus and he's coming from a JUCO. He's walking on from JUCO. Okay, but now okay. he now he's he's taking first team reps with the D you know D one Power Five program, yeah. Just after getting on campus, I'm like, uh, I think that says more about the current state of the roster than the skill level of this guy. I'm not, and I'm not trying to to, to knock this guy. No, of course not. We haven't even said his name, have we? We no, don't need to. It's I, fine. I can't remember his name. That's the problem. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, I'm not going to know it because <laughs> yeah, I barely know my name. Um, was there a surprise offense defense? 
whether a guy that stood out to you or the one that you're excited to see play in the fall. Yeah, I don't because I've got a name. I've got one too. I don't know if it's the same one or not. Um, He's not on this list. On the so. list out there. Well, I've got uh, Bedwell is the is the kid that kind of surprised me. He came in mostly, I think, when Morton was in. Um, He's a you know, running back transfer from SMU, originally from Amarillo, right? And I think he, I think he went out for some passes. He caught some passes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that that huge screen gain. Yeah, I was just, I love really fast guys <laughs> and you know, getting to see him out there. Cause I always get worried like, Oh gosh, this guy's standing back there. What is he? Five, eight. They're going to hand him the ball. He's going to get murdered. And then he goes out there and runs for 23 yards or whatever. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why he's out there because he's really, he's really fast and he's really shifty. So Bedwell is a guy that I was, I knew had, you know, had come over from SMU, which that's great. You know, bring your, gold trans am and come this way but also from amarillo high so go sandys yeah you know mcguire is keeping on his build a wall around west texas promise mm-hmm. yes it's all west texas amarillo is west texas why the hell not so that was probably the guy that i was you know most impressed with um who really stuck out so, I, and i look forward to seeing him maybe he'll return some kicks and some punts i just don't know how much he's actually going to get in the game yet i felt like we didn't use Rigdon enough last year. You know, the guys like that just, I think they need the ball in their hands some more. Jakeem Grant. I mean, I don't want to call him Jakeem Grant, but no one's Jakeem Grant. No. But you just think of guys, the damage that can be done when you get someone who just cannot be caught. Yeah. And I don't want to downplay your guy. I will say like Sir Roger Thompson didn't play. Taj Brooks was limited. Like, Valdez played though, right? Yeah. And he played a lot. He looked good. Yeah. Um, but Bedwell took advantage of his opportunity. I'll, I'll say that. He looked yeah. good for, for No, and role. he was obviously in the third string. You know, we may not see him hardly at all, but yeah. what I saw, I was, he was the guy that kind of jumped out for me because everyone else played. They, they were guys I were familiar with for the most part. And, you know, I wasn't able to analyze enough of the guys I wasn't familiar with. And it's, it's just hard to pick what to watch, you know, really, really on a spring game. Ideally what you should do is watch it twice and watch all offense the first time and then watch all defense the second time and just see how Can everybody's I, doing. <laughs> I don't really let, know how to analyze the spring game. Let me confess that like, and, and, and maybe just the way that, that the, the broadcast crew had to like pick a focus, right. And they were offense focused, right? Absolutely. Like they, yeah. They were out there and they were talking about the offense. Besides that pick six and, and just a couple of plays here and there, I couldn't tell you who played on defense. I, I was okay. The one I did remember to <clears throat> Marquise waters is back. Yeah. Welcome back. Mighty waters. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that was, um, I don't want to say a, a pivotal point in the season, but definitely a low point in the season when he went down. So it was, he was a guy that I'd kind of not, not forgotten about by any means, but, didn't really expect to hear his name called and didn't expect to see him out there in this capacity being able to do this much, but he was, and you know, he made some great plays and I think he had one of those mm-hmm. interceptions. Yeah. So he's another guy I thought of, sorry, who, who did, who stood out to you? So inside receiver, Jordan Brown. Oh, the transfer from Kansas originally played at DeSoto in the Dallas area. Um, he, 
he's not gonna he's not gonna replace Miles Bryce as that in, that number one inside receiver. He'll be number two in my mind. It's be Miles Bryce, then Jordan Brown. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison because like, like I would kind of lean towards Giles. Like oh, he's yeah. quick and shifty. Um, not the biggest guy, which you would expect as, as an inside receiver, but he's not like the five, eight, five, nine guy. And he may be like five, 10. I don't know. Um, but when he had the ball in his hands, man, he was, he was moving. Uh, he had that, that long catch along the sideline. He was on a trips formation. He was on the, uh, the innermost, you know, receiver and his route was more of like a, like a wheel route. So mm-hmm. he and, and the outside receiver running parallel uh, and, and caught this long pass on the field. He had a, um, like a screen that looked really good. It, you know, it, it picked up maybe a yard if anything, but um, the, the moves are there that I think like he could be really dangerous with the ball in his hand. And that got me excited. He's also like a excitable guy. Like he got up and was getting in people's faces. Like, ah, Hey man, yeah. Hey, this, this is your own team. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't want to sell, you know, you don't want to tell anybody to, you know, hey, tone it down a little bit, but well, I mean, maybe, it, maybe shift your focus elsewhere. I, I, I did appreciate like, you'd see like a big hit from like a defender. Like he would immediately turn around and pick up the ball carrier. Like, Hey, come on. Oh yeah. We're, yeah. We're still buds. Yeah. We're still friends. So with the guys that, that, one of the guys I was looking for, like I, I'm looking forward to seeing more. Um, obviously he's, he's a new guy, Jordan Brown, inside receiver transfer from Kansas. Yeah. I wanted to mention, you know, probably one last thing on the spring game tonight. I think they had, uh, you know, it was red versus black, but apparently one of the teams was the matadors and the others were the, were the red Raiders. So the, or, or, or does that have to do with anyway, there was, it was, it was difficult to keep up with it on the broadcast. Yeah. But they, they, they it wasn't defense versus like, it, it wasn't, Offense versus defense. They had a full team. Correct. Offense and defense, Matadors, and a full team, offense and defense, Red Raiders. And I think it was first team offense, second team defense, with first team defense and second team offense, and they kind of mixed up the third team. Yeah. And so they had uh, they had a dinner tonight. So there was something at stake, pun intended. <laughs> I didn't even know that. But uh Texas uh, Texas defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter che- uh, tweeted tonight champions dinner tonight with some photos and he said the victorious Matadors team feasted on prime rib while the Red Raider team had hot dogs special thanks to Red Raider meats for providing the delicious meal now if you look at the at the Red Raiders their hot dogs those are for sure soft like those are those are legit yeah dogs. I mean it's not those like, aren't like they didn't I mean, go get dumped out yeah, these are ranks. these are Red Raider meats still. I mean, they they didn't go out and yeah find bar yeah bar s. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I remember buying bar s in college, and I was like, I'm not even this cheap. I'm not even this poor. I've got student loans. I will I will I will spend for Oscar Mayer bologna. I will not buy bar s bologna ever again. Yeah, or hot dogs. All right, so spring game fun, but not. Cause it's spring game. Like you, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you can check it out on ESPN plus. There is a, an extended highlight video. If you want to catch from some guy called Matt loves football, I think, or something Matt loves ball. Matt loves ball. He's got 94,000 subscribers on the YouTubes. He's got several spring games. Already yeah. Cut up. 
they were, and they're all called the same thing. So just be careful. One color versus another color. (laughs) (laughs) The team you're looking for uh, definitely got one for Texas Tech. Michael, you want to get to what we learned? Yes. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. So first, I do need to remind everybody that this episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, as always, is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate on your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. So you're ready for what I learned? I'm so ready. I'm, I, I learned, finally, that the Californians and their tri-tip, it's, it's hyped up for a reason. It's pretty good. I still haven't tried it. It's pretty good. I, well, okay. I still don't even really know what it is. I kind of know it was, it was birthed in California. It kind of, I'm not going to say the same way as brisket, but similar. It was like a cut of meat that people didn't know what to do with. And, uh, somebody started figuring out what to do with it. And I read just like a handful of things on what to do. I even texted with my friend who lives in California now. And he just, he gave me no help. He was no help. (laughs) What a jerk. But, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and I, I cooked it basically like a big steak. I, I used a Montreal steak seasoning because we have a lot of it because <laughs> I talked myself into buying a huge, what's a huge canister of it from Costco like two years ago. So it's probably about, about done anyway. And I was like, ah, well let's just do that. Cause I don't, I didn't want to do just salt and pepper. I, I felt like I should do a little, like some sort of seasoning. And I thought, well, I'm just going to do Montreal. And I wrapped it in plastic wrap the night before. Hey, what's up? We got a pack Yanks fan. He's he's with you on the Montreal steak rub. He said that's oh, my go-to rub, man. Thanks, man. Uh, we use that all the time here at the house. It's good on steaks. Yeah, I like on steaks. I it's a, it's good on tri-tip. We'll tell you though, Red Ritter Meats also has a steak rub. It's, See, it's it's. I really like it, but I didn't have I didn't have enough. Okay, I I almost always use their steak rub on my steaks, but I don't think I had enough for the tri-tip, and so I had the industrial size. <laughs> What a what a sized uh, what Costco size? brand of Montreal steak seasoning. So I doused it with that, wrapped it in cling wrap, left it in the fridge overnight. And then uh, when I got it on the grill, I've been using this lump charcoal that just holds heat like crazy. Is it B&B? Royal Oak? Uh, no, it's... Um, I'm just kidding. No, it's like... Uh, it's got a devil or something. Oh, you went specialty. Mm, I got it for my birthday. And then I, I didn't realize how I almost out of it I was so I actually had to kind of make my own charcoal so I had to throw like big chunks of oak in there and let it kind of die down and so my, my little Weber was humming man I didn't mean for it to be that hot but it was at like 350 400 degrees is it jealous devil jealous devil yeah I had to look it up so I had some lump and some briquettes of that brand because it, like the bottom of the bag of both and some big chunks of oak and I was like okay I'm just gonna kind of make do and make sure I go to outdoor chef at some point in the next they've got a new location i have yet to go fantastic i can't find it but 
Yeah, you, what do you mean you can't find it? Well, like, because I, I, I knew where their old spot was, and the sign says go down to 114th and turn right. Yeah, it's, yes. um, it's, it's, oh, cred. So well, now I, ha- I haven't it. really been looking for it, but like, it's not as, it's, it's between, I, well, I guess it's Highway 87 at that point. It's between 87 and Avenue P. Okay. On 114th Street. Oh, they're about Cooks. So it's basically on your way home. Yeah, it's not far from Cooks. It's like just southwest of Cooks. Anyways, sorry, go on. No, you're good. <laughs> I've got to go back there. So I had, anyway, the Weber was humming. It was, a, I wanted to just, I wanted to sear it and then set it off to the side and let it slowly come up to, you know, medium-ish. But um, slowly meant like 40 minutes. Do, do, do you have a slow and sear for your Weber kettle? I, I know what you're talking about. I got it. I Christmas. don't have the brand name of that, but I do have the baskets. Okay. I have like the little Weber baskets that I've had for a long time that's made just for the Weber. And so I shoved them all over to the side. And then I, you know, so I seared it like three minutes on each side. And then I pulled it over as far away as I could get from the fire. And then it was like, because it's oddly shaped. Sure. So some of it was closer to well done. Some of it was medium well. Very little of it, little of it was actually medium. So my bad, I did kind of overcook it, but not to the point where it was like dried out. But uh, man, I sliced it up really thin. It hit that same, when, when Texas Landing Cattle was here, one of my favorite things at any steakhouse was their smoked sirloin. I absolutely loved it. And it kind of hit that same that same vibe for me just sliced really thin and and then we served it we um we served it with pico de gallo and so you, you sprinkled it with pico and my wife had made a really nice salad with feta and like a lemon garlic dressing <laughs> oh man that's too far <laughs> it was, it was great meat. it was great so did, did you say where you got the, the tri-tip cut from i haven't red seen raider it. meats okay yeah uh, it was really cheap too it was like five um five dollars a pound and it was like a little three pound tri-tip so it was 15 bucks Huh. We ate on it for like three days. Okay. My little so, five-year-old, she even ate it and she has, she's been really adventurous in eating this past week. I've been really proud of her. I, I didn't, I did learn of a, a new, new cut of meat that I want to try. Um, it's called a, um, volcano beef shank. Oh, I'm Googling right now. C- continue. So imagine like, like a bone in ribeye, how it has that just massive tomahawk bone on it. It's kind of like that, but like the bone is coming out of like a, a roast essentially. It's a fairly lean cut. So it, the it, tri-tip was leaner than I thought it was going to be too. So it, it lends itself well to a, a barbecue approach to it. Low and slow. Ooh. I want to try it. it oh, looks, looks like something Fred Flintstone would eat. And the way that it was, it was prepared afterwards. He, he cooked it on the bone um, and then he shredded it like, like pulled pork. Like you would shred a, a pork shoulder. So you could put it on sandwiches and oh, anything yeah. else you'd put. Could do like a beef carne kind of thing with that yeah carne gasada mm. anyways i want to try that out i do want to get back to red red meats and, and, and get get on the rack of beef ribs i had a gift card and it's, that was why because when i went i just went nuts because um i did make those beef ribs we talked about that but in that same trip i bought like some cajun bratwurst i bought um some jerky and i bought this tri-tip and i bought <laughs> I bought, like, it was a good everything. it was a good gift card and i bought uh, a couple of uh dry aged well you know the ones in the the ones in the vacuum seal package not like the ones that they go cut off of the huge hunk of ribeye but yeah a couple of dry aged ribeye steaks and it's pretty good yeah and so i've slowly but surely since christmas i think i've cooked all of that and so yeah i, I may need to go back too 
But yeah, if, if you see a tri-tip in there, it was surprisingly cheap and just really, it was really quick to do and just, I mean, it tasted great. Heating it up was kind of weird because I, I, I went ahead and sliced the whole thing. So, you know, then you're heating up really thin slices of basically steak. So, yeah, you kind of kind of be, be careful about heating it up because you can really overdo it. Nuke it. Yeah. yeah. Good old 50% on the microwave was about as much as I would go. All right. I think that'll do it for us on the 23 Personal Podcast. We went a little bit long this week talking about our woes with baseball. And then, of course, food always gets us going. <laughs> Uh, we'll get back with a review of how Baylor or how the baseball team does against Baylor and getting ready for the rest of the Big 12 season. But for Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.